Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week is going to be the week of Natasha. Because yeah. she, like, we're going to be reviewing, well, she's going to be reviewing Metro X, which is another Roll and Write game. You know how much she loves those. I do. And then we're going to be discussing Crusaders that will be done. And then in our discussion topic, Natasha is going to be giving you her top 10 Roll and Write games. Why aren't you doing yours, Bob? I mean, uh, I, I mean, I could make a list. If you wanted me to make a list for the sake of for the purposes of making a list, I could. Uh, It just doesn't feel right. It's not a genre I particularly care for. I'll play them if need be. But yeah, I want a top 10 of like, these are really good games. I can totally recommend them. I don't think, Bob, you could recommend a couple rolling rights, right? I'm sure when you when you bring up some of them, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, this one's this one I'd actually play. But it doesn't (laughs) actually play. That's different than recommends. But continue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something like that i don't know it just doesn't feel right for me to make a top list of rolling right games it just yeah that's fair yeah so we're gonna let you do it and i'm just gonna sit in the back and i'm gonna comment my comments i'm gonna be the peanut gallery to your top 10 list which is gonna be awesome um, i'm, I'm gonna list. i'm looking forward to it on my passive aggressiveness coming full forth through your top 10 list <laughs> but that said natasha made a mistake last week oh <sighs> Well, I guess you could call it a mistake. A rule what else would it be? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What would it be if it wasn't a mistake? It was just, um, I just played the game different than what the rules recommended. So that's r- wrong? wrong? I just played it say. differently. We played it differently. You can say, you played it, inc- you can play it, you played it wrong. You can say that. I, I played it differently than what the rules recommend playing it. Hmm. And it, I think it impacted the enjoyment of my game. That's in beer and bread. So when you play cards as harvest cards, which means you get to take the resources, those go out in front of you. And then during the dry phase, you pick up those cards and however many, you ha- those th- then become your hand. If you haven't played that many, you get to drop. So you have a total of five in your hand. So that helps you. It, it really helps you plan a lot more because one of my complaints of the game was was difficult to plan passing the cards back and forth. That doesn't change, but you can you know what cards you're getting the next round. So you can plan your moves ahead because whatever you play that card to get those resources, that's going to be your hand for the next round. So then you can play that for the resources and then build that card next. So it just allows a little bit more planning. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more um, had we had we played that correctly. I think it would add just another level of strategy to it that would have really probably elevated it for me. And it, it could have really impacted my um, you know overall uh, review of the game rating i should say i gave it a six so i mean it could it could bring it up to a seven i'd have to play it that way again a few times to see see what i really think but just want to let you know you might enjoy this game a lot more if you play it by the correct the the rules that the the rule book recommends the <laughs> the rules the rule book recommends i <laughs> the game designer recommends you know that that's a i feel like it's kind of better to play it that way usually <laughs> Yeah. So usually, not always. I I do alter rules a lot intentionally. A rule book is not a suggestion on how to play the game. It's how you're supposed. to... Oh my god! Ah, oh, this is gonna be a long episode. I That's can why I always it. win co-op games. Always... We change the rules. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> That's another T-shirt idea that we're gonna have. Board game shenanigans podcast. The rule book is merely a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's my toy. I can do what I want with it. <laughs> that's fair. No, that's uh, that's fair. There's a uh, there's been a couple times where Ashley and I have been playing a game and we've adjusted a rule because or like we've taken a card that her and I both think is like broken. Like mm-hmm. I can in Islebound specifically, there's one card and I can't remember the name of it. And if either one of us gets it, we can exploit the ever living crap out of it. So we just mm-hmm. I don't even include it anymore. But we've we've made some rule alterations here and there to to change the way things are doing. Like uh uh Carcassonne is a prime example. I, I think Tom Vassell's the one that may I may have heard this from originally, is he has a hand of three tiles. So then it like yeah. doesn't slow the game down because you're not drawing a tile and then deciding where to place it. Mm-hmm. I often hear people at they end their turn and draw their next tile instead right. of starting your turn and drawing your tile. It gives you time to think. The only issue with that comes there's an expansion, the builders expansion. That would be the only issue I could see because when you place when you connect your piece to a structure or some sort of thing that you're working on that has a builder on it, you get to take an, an additional turn. But there might be some more strategy to like combo certain things together if you have a hand of tile. Anyway, regardless, rules are rules. <laughs> rules not... are optional. Jeez. They're Do not you... laws. They're rules. The best part is you you almost said incorrectly and then you had to stop yourself. Um, I am curious. Do you think legit that it would affect your overall rating of this game? Do you think it would be higher, like significantly not significantly, but it could. It 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 felt like it lacked a little bit of strategy and forward planning for me, and that that yep. that those cards being in your next hand that really changes the game, right? Sure. That that was sure. what I felt was missing from it. Okay. Well, uh, next time we play it, we might just uh, you know, play by the designers. Designers' suggestion, aka the rules of the game. Uh, and we'll we'll report back. You, uh, yeah, I guess. you gotta play it. You you gotta play it anyways. So let's do. That. I should I should play it, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Anywho, let's talk about some games. Um, we actually well, when it, let's talk about a game you've played. <laughs> Real good. <laughs> Another game I've played. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> I've been working here, Bob. I don't know what you've I know. Been doing. I've I've yeah. I'm slacking over here. Like I'm just sitting in the background, just letting you do you. I'm just like this is the this is the Natasha episode. I'm just gonna sit back, kick my feet up, and listen to you speak. All right, so I played a really fun roll and write called Metro X. Um, it, it was originally um, made in Japan. I played the J- Japanese version, but there is a um, uh, U.S. version as well. It's designed by Hisashi Hayashi. The art is by Royal Namino, um, and then the U.S. version is published by Game Right. So this is a roll and write network or route building game. Instead of dice, it uses cards. So you get a piece of paper with all these subway lines that mostly go from one end to the other. Um, Many of the lines overlap and intersect with other lines, which is a key part of the game. Um, A card gets flipped over and each player can pick any line that they want to fill in. So let's say you flip over a three. um, Then I pick line A. So I would write a three in the start of line A. And then I would fill in three separate spots along that route, the first three spots. So then let's say another card is flipped over and it's a two. Um, I, and I want to use route B, but the first two steps of route B overlap with, with route A. So they're already filled in. So then I would just skip those and go to the next open spot on route B. So each turn, you always start with an open spot and you continue until you reach a spot that's already full. 
uh, or the end of the route, or you reach the max number indicated on the card. So let's say the first spot in route B is open, but the next three overlay that route, route A that I had just filled in. If I were to put that same card, that same card on B in this situation, then I would um, mark an X on the first spot. And then the second spot is already filled. So I would stop. So I would lose that. I wouldn't be able to use the full ability of the card. So I might put it in another row so that I could use the full ability of that card. You don't want to waste those any of those available marks because you're only going to get so many spots you can use throughout for each route. And you can only add those numbers to it. Once it fills up, it's full. And at the end of the game, you lose points for each empty spot on your board. So it might seem like you just want to fill in one spot in each route and then kind of move you know, one spot in each one and then go back up and do another spot in each one so that it all lines up. But the way it kind of crisscrosses, it's not so straightforward. And then there's also these star cards that get flipped over. And then you pick any spot that's available. So it has to be one that you're uh, adjacent to that's still open. You can't be like in the middle of nowhere there. You got to be adjacent to it. And then you can get, you can score two times the number of routes that intersect there. So there's some that intersect like, you know, maybe four or five different routes intersect at that one point. So you could get like eight to 10 points, which is a big amount of points in this lower scoring game. So you want to kind of set yourself up so that you're ready whenever that star card is flipped up to be able to score high points on those. So the so you kind of want to, you know, maximize the the card flip use the most amount use them you want to try to use all of the ability that you can right if you flip over a three or four you want to use all three or four of those instead of wasting them because you get to a point where you have to stop so what makes this game really fun and different game to game is that the small deck of cards that you use so you have these star cards and then you also have cards at one through six and some of the twos and threes allow you to skip over spots so you kind of you get to a point where you want to skip over a spot if you if you um, get to a point where it's already filled in, it lets you mark off the spot, skip over all those filled in spots, and then continue down the line. So you want to kind of plan for those cards to come up. You're kind of hoping they'll come up. But there's also the six card, which is huge. Six is a really good number. But once the six card is flipped over, then you take all the cards, reshuffle them, and start over. So you could get the six a lot. And then maybe never get the stars or maybe never get those split routes or, you you know, the six would be at the end of the deck and you go through the whole thing. You know, so there's just a lot of variability in the way that those cards come up. It, you know, a lot of those flipping rights, you, you know exactly like you're going to get this, you're going to get this, you're going to get this. You just don't know the order. This like you could get any number of these, you know, so every game is going to be very different. You might have games that are going to score a lot less because you hardly get that six card that comes up. So overall, I really, really like the puzzle of this game. I like that you have to really think and make really, really tough decisions. And you're really hoping for that card that's going to flip up. You know what's left in the deck. You're like, okay, I have a really good chance that this, you know, this split card's going to come up. So I'm ready there. But then if it, it doesn't, you know, you kind of are screwed over. So you just have a lot of really, there's just a lot of tension in this game. I think it's really good. I liked it a lot. Most of the tension is going to come straight from the deck of cards then. It's oh, not necessarily- 100%. What your partner is doing doesn't matter. Although you, whoever finishes a route first, you score points if you complete a route. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever finishes it first scores more points. So you do kind of want to watch what somebody's doing. If, if, they're, if they've already scored a route, then you might kind of give up on that one and go for a higher scoring one. Some of the easier ones are easier to score or some of the smaller ones are easier to score, but they're worth less points, you know. So you've got those decisions. 
Hmm. Yeah, other than that, it doesn't really matter what your opponents are doing. It's all in the, the deck of cards that the cards that get flipped up. I like the way I mean it's really just numbers, right? Number cards, and then you just you get a number three, you make three X's. It has to be in a row. But the way that those those routes overlap and and are used, so you might have spots on there that have like three or four routes attached to them. So if you you could block yourself off, so now if you put a number there, you're stopping once it gets hit. The whole point of the game and the whole heart and soul of this game is really maximizing every card flip, using the maximum amount of spots that you have available and finding those those routes that you want to use and not cutting yourself off or painting yourself into a corner, but also taking advantage of those stars if they come up very much. You don't know. In some ways, the route building seems, I don't want to say similar to like, let's make a bus route. It feels very different. So there's a lot of like route building games like this, like Roll and Rice. This is a very familiar mechanic, like the London one, next stop, next station, London, the get on board or let's make a bus route, um, Railroad Inc. Those are all like route building games. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, it's similar, but that's about it. It, it. It plays very different. And let's make a bus route. You've got a set of cards. You're going to go through all of them. So you know what you're going to get. You just don't know the order. This, there's this interesting overlap where you want to maximize it. You you want to hit up those spots that overlap because then you're going to hit both routes, which is great. But there's going to be a spot in front of it. And you don't want a one spot and then you have to get a four flip over and use your four to fill in that one spot and not be able to fill out anything else so the decisions and where to place things and at what at some point you're going to have to give up on some of these routes they're not going to be completed like i we completed in the few games that we had played i mean we completed less than half the routes very few there was a lot of empty spots there's a lot of negative points too and that's going to vary game to game depending on how many times the five and the six and the four come up right but the, the the decisions that you have to make i feel are very very um painful and i like that does the game play itself in some ways? No. Like y- your decisions truly matter. Yeah, your decisions very much matter. I mean, at the end of the game, you've got like one, like there, there's only so many spots you can fill in. Like at um, like each route has two to three spots. You can only put two to three numbers in each route. Mm-hmm. And there's no way you, if you do just that route, even like, like the high numbers, like three, Four, threes, fours, up to sixes, you still aren't going to finish it. The only way you're going to finish it is by is because you are also using the other route. You're also putting numbers in the other route, and that's finishing along that same route. Gotcha. So okay. the decisions about when to, what, where to go for each route, and it, and it could be luck of the draw, like you might have a great plan and it not work out, but it's just kind of fun the way that that plays out. Do they have like multiple maps in the box, or is it just... Yeah, they do. They have a bunch of different maps. So I played the Japanese version, so they had a few different um, Japanese routes in there. And I'm sure the met- the Metro one, the pictures I was looking at, um, they do as well. The, the U.S. version is a little bit more colorful and playful. It doesn't have, like, it has route A, B, C, or D. It doesn't have, like, actual locations. The Japanese version has real places, real locations. Mm, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not as pretty, but it's small. It's nice and small. It's a, it's just a little small game. Uh, I think you get a lot of game out of it for the small box. I, I really liked it. I thought it was really challenging and um, uh, filled me with a lot of tension and dread and 
and I just spent a lot of time staring at the board, like pulling my hair out. And, and I like that. I think that's a good, a good sign of a good roll and write. So what are you going to rate it? I'm rating it an eight. I would recommend this game if you like roll and writes, if you like pu- puzzles, if you like figuring things out, you know, a little bit of luck there with what cards come up and how they come up. But everyone has the same luck, you know, is it's just a matter of where you're where you're you know what you're going for and what you're doing on the last turn you know you only have one spot you can place it so there's no decision the last turn second to last turn you have two spots to place it in so there's a little bit of a decision you need to kind of know what's coming up like what's left in that deck like what are the chances you're going to get what you need you know so you you kind of play play that but i think that you know the, the struggle is like okay i'm giving up i gotta give up on one of these one of these is not going to be completed which one is it you know, and then saving your saving out your good spots for those stars. You don't want to save them too long because a star might not ever come up. You can get a lot of points from those stars. So it's just a lot of well, a little tension and a good twenty minute game. That is Metro X. All right, next up, talk about a game we both played. This yes. is an older one by Tasty Minstrel. It's Crusaders. They will be done. It's designed by Seth Gaffey and art is by Adam McCleaver. So this is a Euro game that uses a rondelle and a Mancala mechanic. You're moving around the board, putting out buildings, and then crusading for victory points. So everyone has their own rondelle on their personal player board with a special power. You start off the game with two action tokens on each action space. On your turn, you're going to select one of the actions you want to do. You will take all of the action tokens off that one action space, and however many tokens you pick up, that's your action level. What You, you can do that action at that level. Um, so on your first turn, it will be level two because you've got two action tokens there. And then you can do that action with a level two ability. So what kind of actions can you do? I mean, they're pretty normal board game actions, right? You can travel, which means you move your knight around the board. You can crusade. You know, each hex has one enemy on it. You want to be the first one to get there, then you can fight that enemy. Each battle, you'll earn victory points or it lets you put out a building for free. You can muster. Muster adds strength to your crusades because throughout the game, every time someone fights an enemy, it becomes stronger for the next person. So you got to add the muster up so you become stronger and stronger. You can build. Put out one of your buildings in a spot you're in. You're going to earn influence, which is uh, victory points. And the buildings will give you extra levels for one of those actions. So let's say you have three action tokens. And then if you've got one of the buildings unlocked on the board, you can add another um, action basically to that or another level to that action i suppose there are four different types of buildings which each help you with one of the different one of the different actions and then there's some extra end game uh scoring under the last building and he, the buildings they progress and they uh, require more and more action tokens to put out the other one you can do the other action is influence that's just straight up victory points whenever you do this action you earn victory points for each action token you picked up Plus, for each influence you've unlocked on your board, kind of adds adds to them there. The last thing you can do on your turn is you can upgrade your action spot on your rondelle. You flip over one of your tiles, and now it has two abilities that you can choose from. You can do that action. You can choose either one of them, or you can split your action tokens up and do both actions. That's really cool because you have to spend all of your action points anyway, so it feels kind of wasteful if you didn't need them all for just that one action. Um, then at, after you do that, you can pick up all of the action tokens off of any one spot and then Mancala style drop them throughout. So that you kind of save that uh, that thing to do to when you're stuck and you you don't have enough action points to do any of the actions, then you choose to upgrade, which is helpful. 
what I like about this game and what makes it really fun is it's really quick and really snappy. It just breezes by. It's about an you could play a four-player game in an hour. It feels like you're you're ramping up really quickly. You're getting things done. You're doing a lot, but but it's an hour. And each turn is snappy. It's like, I do my turn, I'm done. There's not a lot of like, there's no, there's a fiddliness of like your Moncala, your action points on the board, but that's it. Like there's hardly any fiddliness on the, the board itself. And in each turn is just really quick and snappy. And I, I liked that a lot. That really made me like the game. That is a huge positive for the game is how quick the turns can be because each one of those actions is fast. There's yeah. not necessarily a lot involved. There's not a lot of moving pieces with each individual action. Yeah, because each action is is based on the strength. So there's no, when you fight or you crusade or build, there's no like adding anything to it or having to roll any dice or anything with your opponent. It's just you have enough action points, you get to do it. Yeah, and as far as, you know, fighting like the Prussians and, and the different um, enemies that are on the board, the only you can sometimes get screwed over because you might say, all right, I have a strength of seven, they're at seven, but then Natasha fights them and now their strength is eight. So now that changes what I was planning on doing, you know, that yep. sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I found myself in the game oftentimes uh, making sure I had an extra just in case that happened to me. So if I knew I, I knew I needed to defeat them at six or seven, let's say it's seven, I would make sure I had eight available so I could do the thing I needed to do. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's so nice about upgrading your piece is that then if you do have an eight and you only need a seven, you've got an extra action for that other ability on your board. Yeah, I didn't upgrade any of my tiles The you know that are play of it. And it, it almost felt like a, like a reset turn. You know, that's what it really felt like doing. Yeah. And it if felt you, a little wasteful. Yeah. And if if you could get away with taking actions, my at least my thought process is this. If I can get away with taking actions, even if they're not necessarily the thing I specifically am trying to do at this particular moment, if I can at least take an action, if I can out action my opponents, I should be able to do more or earn more victory points, more prestige. Because they're as they're taking off turns, I'm still progressing forward in some way. Mm-hmm. More and, influence. Yeah, and, g- and gaining additional influence or something. Um, so I never felt, I, I felt like I was only going to do that if I, if I absolutely had to. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like a thing that I wanted to do to, to make available my next action. I often found myself, again, too, building up to certain actions with the Mancala system. And then once it got to that point, I would take it. I didn't necessarily care if, you know, this action required three strength and, and you know, I had four little pieces on there. I didn't care. You know, like that one yeah. extra, like whatever, no big deal. It gets to a point too, like if you're going to, you know, muster and then do this other thing, well, a muster of one is useless. You're not going to be able to do much with that muster. Right. So, you know, it didn't. I didn't feel like it was... It was a part of the game that I was just like, if I can, if I can avoid this at all costs, that means I'm going to, I'm going to be able to do more actions than my opponents during the course of the entire game, which was why I didn't do it. You know, yeah. I wanted, I wanted to make sure I do it. I'm, I'm going to say there's a lot in this game that I should really, this is a type of game that you would think I would really like. Yeah. The Rondell, Mancala. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. I don't, I don't consider this a Rondell game. It like... Yes, I mean, technically it has a circle with like actions and stuff, but 
it it to me it didn't feel like a rondell it felt like a mancala system that's like it's they say like rondell with mancala mechanic but it for the most part it's a mancala you pick up all your action things and then you just place them in the following thing and you get player powers which is cool like that's a cool system right like you get mm-hmm. some unique player powers that allows you to manipulate different things it allows you to you know manipulate how you drop action tokens that sort of thing um so it's cool that each person has an individual player power they don't seem necessarily super busted but it's cool that each one each person gets to do something different yeah they're small yeah yeah you know it's uh like you're going around you're building buildings building buildings will give you additional action points in the different actions i think that's cool you can end up doing your own thing where you're making one action really lucrative than the other ones. At the end of the day, like the game was for me, at least it was fine. It wasn't anything like super special. Yeah, it was. The game was fine. Yeah, I hadn't played this game for a long time because because of the theme. Like I didn't care about the Crusades and, and, and whatnot. And overall, it just never drew me in. But um, and I just didn't I didn't expect to like it that much. I thought the components were really, really nice. It was and the deluxe was, version that we were playing. We with did play too. the deluxe version. Yeah. So that probably cool. helped. Um, but I just liked how quick and snappy it was. Like, you're right. It wasn't anything terribly um, exciting. I, I really like the Mancala mechanic. You're right. It is the heart and soul is Mancala less than Rondell. I like that you have your own individual Rondell. Um, and then that's a lot of the things that the player powers do is affect how you do the rondelle. Like my ability was that instead of going to the next space, I could start off at the space I was in. And so there's a lot of forward planning with, with the way, what turn you're going to take. And then you need to take this turn so that you have enough places there. I thought it was interesting and fun. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit because of how quick and snappy it was. I wouldn't have enjoyed it if it was longer. I like that you're fighting the the enemies on the board you're not fighting each other there's no area control in this game which is kind of what i would have thought there would be Mm -hmm. um overall the mancala mechanic was unique i don't think of any other games like that um i thought it it was simple too like the buildings that you put out you, you you do one of a few different actions you put out these really simple buildings that give you special powers it was it was very I would say it was surprisingly light. I expected it to be a lot heavier than what it was. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much because I thought it was going to be more of a slog, more of a heavier game. And it was definitely lighter, but it still felt like it had a lot of strategy and interesting decisions, but really quick. And yeah, I liked it. I will say, like I said, the, the snappy turns is what really draws me into this game because those, those, like I said, those actions aren't, aren't super complicated and they're fast. It's not like you have to do these complex things. You just take this action and you're done. Sometimes it's as simple as just gaining a bunch of victory points. Scoop yeah. up five victory points, move your action tokens, next go. You know, your go. Uh maybe the reason why I was expecting it to have more meat on the bone than it was. I there I do in, uh, the Mancala thing as much as it's not a roundel, the Mancala mechanic with with setting those pieces down, it does give you some forward planning. It allows you to set yourself up to do the things you need to do. So I enjoy that forward planning piece with this game. I I did like that. There is some tension with, you know, 
going after those the enemy tokens uh i know at one point i score i would score points at the end of the game because i unlocked all the certain building types that if for every set of three tokens i would gain so many points so i was trying to scoop up you know sets of the three different tokens is what i was trying to do i wasn't and you can get majorities and majorities give you you know end game points as well so that's cool it just was i think it was just a bit too light for me i -hmm. think i think it was just too light yeah i think that's fair i thought it was surprisingly light as well and that's why i enjoyed it I i overall i felt like it was very clean like it was very streamlined there wasn't any kind of fluff there wasn't any fiddliness to it it was just very clean it reminded me a little bit i would say like maybe foundations of rome or endeavor where it's just very clean across the board you get this hour experience you get a good feeling for it it's just a matter of do you like the mechanics and and the simplicity of it you know if you like the mancala style like do you like that forward planning you know but yeah i think you need to go into it knowing that it is a lighter game clean is a very good word to describe this game the the design in this game is clean that that is perfect a perfect description of this game yeah Overall, I'm recommending it. I I would recommend it to you if you like games that give you a bigger feel without being heavy or overwhelming. Games that you can really kind of just, you know, you can go in there with a strategy and develop your plan or you can just play and see how it works out. You know, you might might get stuck and not have enough action points to do what you want to do, but you can kind of manipulate it and you've got some choices. You can just kind of easy breezy go with it and then figure it out as you go along. If you like those style of games, I think that you would like this. If you're okay with the theme, the theme is a little a little tough there. It's about the Crusades. You're going out as a Crusader, taking over Europe there. So Yeah, let's talk about the theme for a second. Cause you've been vocal about theme and games in the past about certain themes. And like this one I would have expected you to be like, I'm I hate this theme. Like we shouldn't do this type of theme in games and stuff like that. But you didn't seem to necessarily it is an offensive theme. Like, I don't, you know, it's fine to have a theme that's about the Crusades, but when you're playing as a Crusader, you're you're literally the bad guy, right? Like, going out, like, taking over different regions and fighting well, these other types of... According, according to the Crusaders, they were the good guys. Well, they were not. We, history, yeah. <laughs> history has proven that wrong. Right. The, yep. They were very bad. Uh, what they did was very damaging. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't take it as, I'm not as personally offended by this as I am like, um, you know, being a slaver and stuff like that. I think, I think it's probably feels like, it's probably because the, the history behind this is so far removed from me. I don't think we are continually oppressing this, this, these people in the same way that it, it, we were in, in the board game. You know, at the time of the board game, they were being oppressed. I think that there isn't long term. I'm sure there are. I shouldn't say that there isn't long term effects of this. Um, But maybe that we're not marginalizing a group of people and and downgrading like their experience that now has made them marginalized. I think I think maybe that's why it's just not as, as offensive to me. You're right. I don't like the theme. Um, I do think I find the Crusades very offensive. It was a terrible time in history and a lot of damage was done. And I don't want to play a game that celebrates that. Um, so I want to at least acknowledge when I play the game that this is this is not this is a dark time in history. It was not a good thing that was done. And we are playing the bad guys. Sure. Makes sense. 
Um, you're recommending the game. What are you giving it as its rating? I'm gonna give it an eight. Oh, okay. I, I liked it a, a lot. Yeah. What are you getting in it? Not an eight, that's for sure. Uh, we're coming in. I think I'm gonna give it a six. I thought it was oh. fine. I um, it, on paper, it should be one of those games that I liked. I think it just wasn't. It wasn't robust enough for me. I think there's going to be a lot of people who like this game. I think it's going to be, you know, uh, we talked about Gateway Plus. I think this is one of those games that falls into that Gateway Plus mechanic. Because like mm-hmm. you said, the ga- like you're, you calling it clean was the perfect word for this. This game is clean. The design is clean. Mm-hmm. It, there's no, there's, once you kind of get down the, once you get down what each action does, it's simple. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, people are. I think people are really going to enjoy this game. For me, I think, I think I would play it a couple times and then be fine, never touching it again. You know, getting through a couple plays and being like, okay, you know, I played it. It's fine. Next. I think that's fair. I don't know that it would be a game that would I would play a ton. Like it, I would want to bring it out and play it all the time. You know, it could cool on me if I played it too much. You know, yep. but playing it a couple times a year would probably be perfect, you know. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. That is Crusade. I will be done. All right, that's going to wrap up the games we are going to be discussing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but then when we come back, we are going to be diving into Natasha's top 10 roll and write games. All right, welcome back. We are now going to be getting into our discussion topic this week which is going to be Natasha's top 10 roll and write games. She's going to be giving giving her input on what she thinks are the best roll and writes of all the roll and writes that ever roll and righted. Roll and wrote. <laughs> that ever rolled, righted, flipped, toppled over. There, there's a roll and topples. <laughs> <laughs> there should be. We should I design do. one. Oh man, somebody's going to come up with that and they're like, ah, we need to trademark that name. <laughs> <laughs> So Natasha is going to be sharing her list of the top 10 or top 10 rolling rights. I'm going to offer my opinion. And when I see fit, I suppose, I don't know. Okay. Let me start off by defining a rolling right and telling you why they're wonderful. So a rolling right is a game. So I struggled. Okay. I, let me, let me start off by saying I struggled to find them on board game geek. Cause like they don't have it searched by rolling, right? There's no rolling right category out there. So I couldn't search for just rolling rights. Oh, they yeah. they define them as like pencil and paper, but there's a lot of games that use pencil and paper. That that's not what makes a roll and write, right? Like Planet X uh, uses pencil and paper, but that's definitely a deduction game. You know, even like L- Loot of Lima, you roll the dice and then you make a mark, but it's really not a roll and write. So what what I define a roll and write is is anything where where information is revealed. So maybe we call them reveal and writes. Information is revealed either via a die or a flip of a card, any kind of information that is available for the entire table. And then then everyone takes that information and uses it somehow. So maybe the active player uses it and then the other players like draft dice from from what's left of it. That's a common mechanic. Uh, A lot of them like everybody just gets the same dice, the same card flip, and then you just have to choose one of them or everyone. There's only one. You just use that one wherever you want. So I think a roll and write is anytime where information is revealed and the entire table shares that information. Not necessarily all of it, you know, could draft, turn order, whatnot, but 
that would be how I define it. So why do I like roll and rights? I think roll and rights are a lot of fun. I like games that rely on a little bit of luck and roll and rights certainly do that because you, you know, you're, you're hoping for that good role that you really need that one thing to put in that one spot. Uh, I think they offer a lot of tension. You know, you're waiting to see if the card you need gets flipped up, if the dice is rolled in the way you want. Um, I also like them. They, they have a lot of combos. It's very, very common to see in roll and rights is combo tastic turns where you get to do this, which triggers this, which lets you do this and then lets you do this. And, and I love combos. Like you throw a combo at me and I'm like, I'm in, I think it's so fun. You just are constantly like doing all these little things. You're writing things down and then you're marking things. I love, I love having a board to write things down. I'm very visual and I like being able to see it all laid out. I think that's a lot of fun. I think overall they're very, they're usually smaller games. So they're, they're, they're more affordable. They take up less space. They're a little easier to teach. A lot of people are familiar with Yahtzee, which is the classic roll and write. So I think you get a lot of game in a small box. And I think that's why they're so wonderful. If I had to have one genre of board games, roll and write might be up there as one of my favorites. Interesting. That is a good question. What would be what would be the one style of game that you could only have? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That might be a that might be a discussion topic for later. As you're going through and defining what a roll and write is, as, as you're describing it, in my head I was like, man, that sounds like something I would really like. Yeah, and I, fun. I I don't <laughs> You know what I I'm like I'm a hipster when it comes to rolling rights. Yeah, there's no reason for you not to like them. You just I, don't yeah, like them because of what they are. I uh, I don't know. Whatever. Regardless, I the thing is, I know that about myself. I guess I know that I'm a hipster when it comes to rolling rights. Oh, oh man, there, there are some that I like. Hopefully, the ones that I do like are on your list. There are a decent amount of roller rights, and they've definitely become popular in the last three to four years. But there's still not that many compared to like how many worker placement games there are or, or you know, drafting games. I, that one might be similar, but I think it's it's an I, I still think there is a lot of room for more roll and rights. They're 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 very fun, a lot of fun in a small box. And the, they're usually fairly simple. Not all of them. There's some big ones. I feel like they have a short shelf life. You play them four, five, six times and you're done. Then you don't play them again. Oh, I disagree. I think the randomness of the dice rolls and the card flip make them unique. You, They're not solvable. Like there's no one path to victory in these games. Yeah, but there's so many that come out that you're just on to the next one. You're sure. on to the next one. When Gonshan Clever came out, People, like so many people were playing it and so many people were playing it on the app. I don't remember the last time I heard somebody talk about it. Hmm. Yeah, well, so. yeah, you don't talk about older games. That's, that's fair. There, but you can do that with a roll and write. I mean, most roll and writes are $20. You know, you can't, it can be a flash in the pan you, and you haven't wasted your money. If you play it five or six times and you're done, cool. You got your money's worth. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. All right, let's get into this list. I'm curious who, who your top 10 games. Let's hear this. All right, ready? I am. Let's do it. All right, number 10 is Long Shot the Dice Game. This is a racing game, although really it's more of a betting game. You're betting to see who wins, but it has a roll and write um, in it, mechanic in it. It is the main mechanic is the roll and write. 
So as you roll the dice, then you choose, everyone gets to choose to do maybe a pink action where they, they can, you know, they can either bet on pink or like give pink extra movement, or they can, you know, take this jockey action that you can do. You can do a lot of different things with your dice. This is a great racing game. You know, it's fast, it's quick. You could plays up to a bunch of players. I don't know, like six or eight players. It's quite a bit. Um, but really you're just you're just betting on who you think is gonna win. You can also purchase the horses, which gives you special powers and will give you more points at the end of the game if that horse wins. But you could um totally win the game without actually owning any horses. So it's really a betting game. You're betting on which one you think is gonna win, and then you're gonna do things that will help that horse win, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I like this one quite a bit. I think it's a great game to play with large groups. Um, it, it's just a lot of fun. That is Long Shot the Dice Game. And Bob, you haven't played that one. I have not. Nope. Uh, you got no commentary on this one. Uh, nope. Yep. yep. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm I'm, bi- I'm biding my time. I'm just going to sit back and just wait. All right. Another one of my favorite roll and writes is my number nine on tour. So this one, you are going on tour with your band. And you want to hit up all these states and you want to try to hit up as many states as you can in one run. And the way that so at the end of the game, you're going to go from like your lowest number to your highest number and connect them all. And however many cities you stop at um, will be how many points you get. And there's various ways to get additional points, like if you get stars or whatnot in there or if you can, you know, if you circle them, you get an extra point. Um, And the cards are so you flip over these cards that you can choose from. So you're going to get and you're going to roll these dice and you're going to do the uh, you're going to take the number of the dice. So let's say you roll a 36, a three and a six. You're going to put a 36 on the board. and You're going to put a 63 on the board and you can put it anywhere on the board that matches the cards that are flipped over. There's three cards that are flipped over that each represent a region. Could be the entire southern United States. Could be the whole northern. Could be the western, central or eastern. And so you got to choose you know the 36 goes okay let's say i'll put that and this with this card which is the eastern region and i'll put the six the, the 63 in this card which is anywhere in the northern region so as you're going and you're adding these numbers to the different regions you're trying to connect them from lowest to highest and of course you're going to get things in there that throw you off, totally off and you spend the entire game like with your hand and your on your forehead like really mad at yourself because you screwed up this whole thing and and most people don't get a ton of points with this. You know, you you might get like 20, 30 points, but um, but nobody does. So it's fine. And you just spend the whole game going, oh, oh I screwed that up. Oh, I screwed that up. Oh, I messed that up. Oh, let's play again because I'll do better. But you don't. You always it's always just painful. And I love that about rolling rights. I have played this game. And I think that's the part that gets me is it's just it's just so painful because you're looking, you're just like, all right. So I'm going to set this one here and I'm going to put, okay, so then I can connect these cities. All right. And then you're like preemptively drawing your lines to your different cities. And then you flip over a card and it's all like north or like not even close to where you need to be. And you're like, I, I, I don't even, I don't know. You finally get that. I don't know. You finally get that 76, which is the exact number you need to put right there. But the card doesn't let you put it there. You have to put it somewhere else. And you don't have a place to put it. So now you're just wasting that spot. So you're picking, you're strategically picking like, okay, I'm not going to go up up to the main. I'm just not. So I'll just throw in a thing in Florida. We're, we're not going to go to Florida. That's clearly not going to happen. You know, so you're kind of like keeping your open areas. You're keeping multiple different paths. You could go this way if, if you get this number. Oh, it's so stressful. So good. 
It only plays very four, stressful. but you can get multiple copies. If you get multiple copies or if you just, you can go and print off the, so they have a dry erase boards. You can go to the, um, their website or BGG probably is where it's at and you can print off more maps. So then you could plant as many people as you want. Doesn't matter how many people. It's only limited by the components that are in the box. Yeah. And you print them off. I, I prefer, let me just say this about roll and writes. I might be unique here. I prefer roll and writes with pencils. I don't like dry erase boards at all. I would much prefer paper and writing it down with permanent either pen or pencil. Pencil is my favorite. It's just so satisfying to write in pencil and you can also erase it. Yeah, because you can take back your turn and redo it two turns later because like you have some additional information. You can take a Natasha turn with a pencil. You mess up. You you mess up and and do it wrong. You want to be able to erase it. You could do it with a dry erase, but I, I people love dry erase. Like I don't. They're the pain. They they get You know they get used up. Um, they dry pencil. out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to wipe them. You don't if you don't wipe the board down, and then it's like ruined it. And I just I think it's so satisfying to use a piece of paper and a pencil, and you just write it down as hard as you can. So fun. What about the uh, chalk that's in like Twilight uh, inscription? Um, the chalk I still, pens. I prefer pencil and paper would be my yeah. my preference. But in that game, it makes sense. I would agree with you on that. I think I would much rather use pen and paper, or pencil and paper. I'd much rather use that. But on tour is a pretty solid game, actually. A lot of people, a lot of people love this game. A lot of people do because it's so thinky, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna mess up and you're gonna put a number in a spot. It's going to completely throw off your entire map. Everyone does it. I still mm-hmm. do if I ever play it. Yeah. And if you get like a number that's like five spaces away, like let's say you get like 80 and then now you roll an 85. Do you put the 85 next to the 80? Yes. Or do you put it Every one time. space away? Because you could you could very likely get a 84, 83, 82, or no. you get a star you could throw in there. Like, But maybe if they're connected, it, sometimes they're connected and you could you could go that way. or put the number in between and it's so fun it, the app is really good too if you are interested in the game you want to buy it you could play the app it's really good yeah you always if you have 80 and then you get an 85 you put it next to that 80 don't be a dummy don't be a dummy put it i put a space in between there you would put a space in between it you're like i'll get an 83 and then you do because you're natasha anyway <laughs> next all right that's my number nine on tour now, number eight is a uh, remake of a large game. This is called Rajas of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. So this is a roll and write version of a big Euro-y game. I really like Raj- Rajas of the Ganges to begin with. Um, I didn't enjoy it the first time I played it, but the second time and third time I was like, oh, this is this is fun. Um, if you like that game, you'll like the Dice Charmers, the dice game. It's It's basically like... It's so close to the actual game, but in a small little tiny box that's way quicker to play, but you're still doing like all of the same actions. So you in this game, you roll the dice and there's like three different types of dice. So there's two of each type. And as the active player, you'll choose one of the dice, whatever one you want. You'll do that as special ability. And then you'll remove that die so that nobody else can choose it. The, the die of the the same type. So if I choose a blue die to use, then I remove the other blue die so the other people can't draft from it. And everyone else drafts from the remainder of the of the dice and then they you pass it along the next person goes. And it's it's just a reenactment of the original game. You do all the same thing. You move up and down the river, you're instead of 
grabbing tiles and placing this like carcassonne little like paths and stuff around to get victory points and extra actions you are just drawing them out you're using these uh special abilities from these people and it and then throughout that you're just getting combos 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 it's like the base game but with combos in a lot shorter time frame and i really enjoy it i actually like this version quite a bit too surprisingly enough i I like it better than the original game not really sure why i think it's because of the drafting portion of things i like Mm -hmm. i think that's probably part of it you get the whole same experience but in a small little quick game yep i mean i don't know how if you liked the original i don't think you could not like this one i think it's i mean it's a little different with you know you don't run out of dice like you do in the you know you can run out of dice in the originals that can be kind of painful so it's a little it's a good intro into it maybe you'd play this one first if you like it you go to the regular game you could check it out because yep. it's just a small little game yeah actually I, surprisingly enough i like this game so good pick oh, good you like rolling rights all right, that's my number eight, Rajas of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. All right, my number seven is a route building game. These are very common. This is Next Station London. So in this game, it's a little one by yellow, small box. Again, um, you, it's four, you can only play um, up to four players unless you've got more components, of course, like typical roll and writes. And this is a flip and write, so you've got a deck of cards that are going to come out. It's a really small deck. You're going to play it over four rounds. So everyone starts off with a colored pencil. You do have to play it with these colored pencils. Everyone has a different color. So you'll, like, let's say I'm pink to start. I will be making my pink route. So I just start in a pink spot, and I can go wherever I want. There's various rules about where you can go and how you get your points, um, and then what you can connect, so there's little shapes on the board, basically, whatever's flipped over, you're going to then connect from where you've, one of your ends are to the, to one of those shapes. Um, and then once that round is done, then you pass the pencil and now I've got the blue pencil. So now I'm making a blue route. And so everyone's going to score a little differently. The way the cards come up, you don't always get all of the cards. There's a, once you get four of one type of card, then that ends the round and um, you, so you might not get all the cards. So some of these are gonna, some of your routes are gonna score uh, a lot less points than the other ones are. But everyone is gonna kind of be in that same boat. Sometimes you'll trap yourself in because obviously you're you're making subway lines. They cannot intersect because then they would crash. So you have to, you know, they can connect at their connecting points only at the little stations. Probably. I like this game. It's very puzzly. I like. I like the colored pencil aspect of it, how you're making four different routes, then they're each going to score. You get so you score different ways, um, you know, depending on the game and whatnot. I don't think you've played this one, have you, Bob? I have not, nope. Um, it's very classic uh, route building. You know, it, this is, does a little different with the colored pencil. That's a little bit of a gimmick. But I think it's fun because as you're going through this, as you're playing and progressing, each one kind of becomes more difficult because you are limited in what actions you can play. But the more you play it, the better you get at it because you know what cards are still left that are going to come up. You know, so you're like, okay, I really hope I had this circle. And there are some wild cards in there that you're like, okay, what should I use this wild on? I've got a lot of choices. Well, I don't want to use this on the circle because I still know the circle's still left in the deck and that's going to come up. So you can really, if you don't, if you're not careful, you can screw yourself out of being able to have any options. And I like that it classic roll and write where you feel like you've made every bad decision there has been and you are suffering through this game, but so is everybody else. So it's fun. That is Next Station London, my number seven. 
All right. My number six is probably the most popular roll and write on this list. I think it's the highest on BGG. That is Welcome To. This is another flip and write game. Um, it's really good because you can play it any number of people. It doesn't matter. Uh, you flip over these cards, and, but you get choices. So I think there's like three cards that are out in front of you. And then the number that you flip over the card and you've got a number. And then the, the action space where you can put that number is determined by the next card that's going to come up, like the backside of it. So um, you can do a number 10 in this area or you can do a three in this area. So you've got some choices in what you pick. I like that you have a lot of choices. So everyone's going to have a very different style game. And you're basically developing your neighborhood. You can do various actions throughout, you know, throughout your little board here. You've got some um, action, some goals throughout the game that you're trying to compete. If you're the first one to do it, you get extra points. Um, and then you, you kind of just want to specialize and get a lot of points. Try to figure out a way to get the most points, I guess. This is my favorite roll and write game. Is it? If I, if I was going to make a list, this would be my number one. What do you like about it? Um... I think it's the, I honestly, I don't know. Maybe part of it is just the fact that you're building this community of like houses and stuff like that. For some reason, the theme I think is cool. I mean, it's not super thematic, but there's a lot of different things when it comes to the cards. So when you flip over a card, you can see what's coming up next, whether or not that's going to be a fence, it's going to be a pool, it's going to be, you know, a construction sign. You know, is it going to be something that allows me to, you know, bump up the value on the sections of houses that I do? I don't know, for whatever reason, it all just kind of comes together in a nice package for me. And it just, it clicks with me the way, um, I guess some of these other ones don't. It's the least combo-y of all the games. I don't even know that there's really any combos in these. Mm, I don't think there is. I don't think there's any sort of combo to be had. Like you... Like doing something gives you points and then you can just like achieve these goals based on, you know, sectioning off certain houses with these fences. You kind of want to specialize in this game. Like you kind of want to decide like what you're okay. You're getting a lot of these. So you'll specialize in these. Now you've got a lot of points here. You can up those points by going here and you can kind of branch off and like decide what to specialize in. I'd say that that's more of this game. It's really well done. It, it's not my favorite because it doesn't have any combos in it, of course, you know, but there is a lot of mm-hmm. tension and you really want these numbers to come up. You've got to order your houses in a certain way. So that it's that same thing I talked about with on tour where you're like, all right, you've got a seven out there and you've got a nine. Do you put the nine next to the seven? Or do you space them apart? Because they're probably going to get an eight, right? Those come out pretty often. In this game, I would. Yes. In this game, I would definitely do that. Uh-huh. Because the numbers are bell curved. Or if you've got, let's say you've got a two, you probably want to put that in the first spot. You don't want to wait for that one because the, the ones aren't near as common as those eights are. Right. So if you've got a one and then you get a three, you probably put the three next to the two then, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I would for sure. Yeah, so it's got some choices in there. It's got some really good choices. It's a really solid, good game. No combos, but that's okay because it's still really good. Yeah, I really like this one. Yeah, good pick. Yep, and that is my number six. Welcome to. All right, my number five is Get On Board London and New York, New York and London, or Let's Make a Bus Route. The Get On Board is the yellow version. It's newer. It's slightly better than the Let's Make a Bus Route. Um, of course, I was enamored by Let's Make a Bus Route because that one came out first and I loved it. Um, you know, and when Get On Board came out, it was like, oh, okay, it's not as quite as new and, and interesting, but they did do a better job of making it. There's just a, just plays a little bit cleaner. 
um, you have the, instead of drawing the routes out, you use these little sticks, which are nice, but you're still, it's still a roll and write because you're marking off on your board and indicating like your passengers that you pick up. So you're going around town and you're, you've got your own player board that you're marking things off. That's the roll and write part. But then you've got a central board that everyone's playing on where they're putting their routes out. You don't want to go where everyone else is going because you'll, you'll make traffic and traffic will lose your points. But essentially you're going around picking up passengers and dropping them off for points. Um, and it's just fun. It, it's, it's fairly quick. It's an, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minute game. Um, the, there's two versions. There's a two player version. I think it's the, and then the other side is a three and four player version, I think. Um, so I like that that you're going to use one map or the other depending on the number of players you have. So it's nice and balanced. It has cards that flip over and you're going to flip over um, one of each. So you know exactly what you're going to get. You just don't know the order you're going to get it. And of course, you have to continue off the, your last stop that you just made. So you are limited. You can't backtrack. You can't put yourself in a corner and and go over top. You can't crisscross yourself at all. So there's a lot of limitations there. I think it's a lot of fun. I didn't love the two-player only dice game as much. Uh, I think you're a little bit more limited in the, in the dice that you roll. But So I like this version better because of the cards. This version's far better than the two-player dice version that we played. This mm-hmm. is also probably the most interactive roll and write game that's going to be probably on your list because everyone's on the same central board and if you cross cross the streams which you're not supposed to do you can't um, cross your own streams but you can cross other people's well, streams it's, yeah it's a it's a reference to ghostbusters anyway yeah okay. that felt yep you didn't know that one okay <laughs> moving on um it is the most interactive because if your route inner or goes along with a another player's route you lose points causing like you said traffic mm-hmm. i mean barely because y- you don't lose traffic it's not i mean you make traffic you don't lose that many points from it and sometimes it's worth it it's it's kind of you kind of want to avoid that area if you can but you don't you can't completely avoid it but it, i mean to say it's interactive is still a stretch okay if you compare it to other uh roll and write games it's interactive most real rolling rights game rolling right games are you flip a card, everyone does their own thing, and whoever does it, whoever has taken the information and processed it and utilized it the best will win. In this particular game, like interacting with an opponent by placing your route, you know, next to on top of their route they've already done will cause you to lose points. So in that regard, it's interactive. But it's like comparatively speaking, most rolling rights, you don't care what the other people are doing. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah, kind of interactive in the same way worker placement is interactive. If somebody goes there first, oops, you know, that sucks. But barely. That's interactive. Yeah, it, hmm. I mean, you, you, your decision may be changed by what they've done in the past. That's a possibility. But usually it's, it's kind of worth it or not, you know. So, but yes, I do get what you're saying. It is more, there's very little interaction. Which is fine. I like. I don't like interaction that much. I like to play my own little game of solitaire with my friends. So I was. I was. I was what? I was right. Right. I mean, what? I get what you were saying. It's just a stretch to say it. Uh hey, it's all about comparison. Yeah. All right. That is my number five. Get on board, New York and London. All right. My number four is a big, heavy roll and write. Uh, mm. Got a lot of. 
uh, what this one is. It's getting a lot. Uh, it's very polarizing. That is Twilight Inscription. I like it quite a bit because I love Rolling Rights, and this one's heavy and long and very, very big. You literally have four player boards that you're working on each turn. Um, so a card is flipped over and you might get a couple dice that go with it, you know, on the card, not, you're not rolling those dice. They're just, you just get them and you get to pick whatever one of the four spaces you get to go to pick whatever one you want. You take those two or three dice that were available, you use them. And then somebody, the, the, it's not even the active player. It's usually somebody running the game. They're always the same person rolling the dice every time because it doesn't matter. Um, you roll, then you're going to roll those dice, and now you have to use those dice that are rolled on that same board, whatever of the four boards you, you chose. So, so you know, you're not going to want to pick something that has, let's say, the dice that are available to you. You can only do this one action, and then once that's filled up, like, you can't use those dice. And then if those dice get rolled, you won't be able to do anything on that board. So you have to be really strategic about what you pick and where the chances of what's going to get rolled is really interesting. And then... This is very combo-tastic, so whenever you do something, you're going to get something that lets you maybe do something else. You can do you can take any of your combos on any of the other boards. You're not limited on your combos to the board that you're playing on. Um, you can earn additional dice that you can use. It's really fun. It's really long. It's very big. It is an epic roll and write. It takes at least an hour. You can play up to a lot of players, and that's totally fine because... It only matters. It's like Seven Wonders style. Only your neighbors matter. And I like that you will fight against them, but only them. So you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. This is a great big game that you can play with a lot of people. Yeah, it's a it's a solid, chunky, 4X style roll and write game. Yeah, I like the battle system. You really just like check to see who's got the most power and then they win, you know, and so you can plan for that or you can ignore that and not even try to go for it. There's various ways to get points. Each board will give you points in various ways. I like trying to earn more dice because then that gives you more actions to do. It's it's a lot of fun if you're willing to devote some time to learning the game because <laughs> it's yes. definitely going to have a learning curve for a roll and write. Even in general, I'd say overall, it's a pretty heavy game in general, like not even compared to like for a roll and write. Just the box itself is heavy. I mean, it's... No, it's like a little, it's skinny. It's like a regular, it's a smaller, like it's smaller, it's bigger than most rolling rides, but it's smaller than like a ticket to ride size. It's like half, like you spliced it in half and made it a little narrower. So it's not that heavy. So it's not physically. exactly, it's not even close to being the box size of a ticket to ride box. No, 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 not even close. It's, it's way half, it's close. way smaller than that. Yeah. But it's like so. two or three, like typical rolling rights, maybe four typical rolling rights box sizes. I don't know what's the box size. It's a weird box size. I don't know. I don't own the game. It's skinny. It's like the tight of Ticket to Ride, not as deep in half the size, half the width, I guess. Anyways, I really like this rolling right. It is not for everybody, but if you like some heavy rolling rights, you're willing to invest some learning into it. Um, it's a solid game. It's it's fun. It it the the boards are black, so you have these, um, what are they, dry erase boards? They're chalk. They're chalk. They're chalk, that's right. And they're like orange or something, so they, they're they like lighter colored, so they look kind of cool on the board, you know? It's not one that you're going to play over and over again. You know, it's not an easy one to play. My guess is this is not the heaviest roll and write that's going to be on this list. That is accurate. All right. Ah, got him. 
<laughs> my number three is Gong Shan Clever or Twice as Clever or Clever Cubed or what's the three one? Clever that's cubed, right? What's the four? There's a four word quattro clever. I haven't Quad played that clever. One. Yeah. I'm sure it'd be right here the same. Um, I've only played Twice as Clever and Gong Shan Clever. They're essentially the exact same game. Pick one or the other, doesn't really matter. They just score a little bit differently. So if you do get you know, you've kind of found your strategy with Gong Song Clever and you're like, I, I want to keep playing this game because I like it, but I've figured out the strategy. Move on to the next one. You can play them all. They're all very much the same. They just score differently. So on this game, I mostly play it solo on the app because it's really good. But you do play with other people if you want. You roll the dice and then you choose um, whatever dice you want to use. You know, you mark off that section. So if you take a green die, you have to mark off the green section. If you take a yellow die, you mark off the yellow section with a matching number. Um, the tr- the trick is that anything, you the high numbers are always better. But whatever you take, whatever number you take, you have to remove any number that's lower than it. So if you take a four, you're removing all ones, twos, and threes from there. So if you have any ones, twos, or threes, now they're removed. So when you roll again you're only rolling what's left. So your first turn, you're you're not going to want to take a six unless you roll like mostly sixes. So then you still have a lot left. There is a white die in there, which can be used as any color. Um, And then if you're going to use a one, you're like, well, I might as well use the one that, you know, that doesn't cost me points, you know? So there's some strategy what number you take. So you roll the dice again based on what's left. Uh, you take the, the the one that you've rolled out, the one that you've used is removed. And then the ones, all the dice that are lower are removed. So whatever's left, you're going to roll those dice. Same thing. You'll t- pick one, use it, set it aside. Any numbers that are lower are then removed from the game. So if you have one die to roll on your last turn, that's fine. You can totally do that. But you just get stuck with that die, whatever it is. There are some re-roll abilities you can use. You can earn those throughout the game and then you spend them to re-roll your die. Um, so if you have the white die that's left, which you can use as anyone, I totally leave that white one for just one die. That's totally fine. Um, if I have a green die and the only green die section I can take is the, the green six, and I'm not using just that one green die because I'd have to roll a six in order to use that die. So then, but, but if, if I'm at the beginning of greens and I only need a one, then sure. I'll use a green die. If it, uh, That'll be the only die I have left. That's fine. So you have a lot of decisions in what die you take. You want the best one, but you uh, don't want to have to remove those those die that are lower than it and leave yourself in a lurch where you, you need to roll a decent roll there. So I like those decisions that are made there. And then the three die that you don't use, so you use three of them and you don't use three of them. The three dies that you don't use, then everybody else gets to choose one of those and take that action as well. So that's another thing. Like you don't want to leave them with all the good stuff. You want to take the ones, the good ones for yourself. And then once your turn is over, then you pass on the next person. So every time somebody else has a turn, they, you get to use like one of their leftover dice. And I think it's a lot of fun. And I actually really like the solo version the best on my app. I don't think I've ever played this game. Not solo. I don't think I've ever played it with a group. I think I've always only ever played it solo. There is a there is quite a bit of downtime because you're rolling three times and then everyone gets your leftover die. 
and then the next person goes, they roll three times, you get a leftover die. So there's a, there's quite a bit of downtime, especially for a roll and write, I would say. But it's interesting and, and overall, it's still pretty quick and I enjoy it. But definitely, like if you're interested in all the, I think the app's like 99 cents. I totally recommend playing on the app. It's best is solo. Um, you just get basically, you get whatever you don't choose, which is interesting. Yeah, the app is, the app is solid for sure. It's very, very combo-tastic. This is very combo. Like everything you do, you get to earn extra things, which lets you mark off extra free spots. It's really fun. Each of the different colors that are associated with each of the dice have different rules and different ways of scoring. It's really fun. Um, you earn things throughout the game. It's it's just it's just fun, fun, fun. I love it. That is my number three, Gong Shang Clever. Isn't it the grandfather of like Roland Rights too? It's like the one that put them, a lot of them on the map. Yeah, I think it was. And it was also the one that kind of started off the combos, you know, like this is straight just dice combos. Like there's no theme. It's just the, the different color dice, different numbers. You're writing things off. It's like it's like there was Yahtzee and then there was Gongshan Clever and Gongshan Clever was like, woo, I'm rolling right where you have choices and fun and combos and I mean, Quicks, Quicks came, probably came before it, though. Quicks was a popular one. That one's really good, too. I do like that one. That one, you're you're going up by numbers, and you have to make decisions of what to skip, and it's really fun. It's kind of different colored dice, like Gongshan Clever. I bet you it was Quicks that came before it that kind of put it on the map. But Gongshan Clever, really, everything took off from that one. Yeah, it was, it was popular, yeah. It, yeah, it became really popular. Quicks is more mainstream. That would be like the next step. Somebody likes Yahtzee, give them quicks. My number two, you called it a very heavy roll and write. This is heavy, heavy. It is heavy to pick up. It is heavy to play. It is heavy to learn. It is a heavy game and it's a roll and write. Like, but it's heavy on its own, not just compared to roll and writes. Um, I think what makes it really heavy is you've got two player boards, right? You've got your your main one that is Fairly wait, straight wait, 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 forward. Wait, wait. Before you get into describing the game, you want to say what the game is? Oh, oh, it's Hadrian's Wall. Sorry. I thought everybody knew. <laughs> it's called Hadrian's Wall, if you didn't know. All right. So you've got two player boards, two pieces of paper that, you've, that you're playing with here. One of them, you're building the wall. Pretty straightforward. Uh, you're earning resources throughout the game and you're collecting your points on there. And then you've got this other paper, which is essentially a series of mini games. And that's what makes it really difficult to teach because each each section that you're going to be fulfilling is going to let you then do little little mini games that score you points. And there's like six of them or something. So you've got the main game and the mechanic that you're doing. And then you've got all these little mini games that you're playing. So on your turn, you're going to pick, you're going to draw two cards and you're going to pick one to play and pick one to tuck for end game scoring. The one that you play is the one that's going to give you uh, your resources that you're going to use that turn. You're going to also, you know, any income that you've accumulated, you'll get as well. And then a card will be flipped over for everybody to use. It will also give you some more resources. And essentially you're taking those resources, which are different colored workers. There's some stone. What few are the resources in there? And you're using those to then take actions. You can use whatever ones you want to take whatever action that allows you to do. You know, if it, some of them require certain colored um, workers, some of them, you know, are, are generic. You can use any. So you want to strategically play those. When you play those, you'll get, a, you know, maybe you cross off this, which gives you 
you have to spend a purple worker, but then you get a yellow worker. Now you've got a yellow worker. So now you can use that yellow worker to do this. That gives you a black worker and the black worker lets you do this. And so you're just basically like spending your workers to cross things off, which then lets you get another worker or maybe some stone, which lets you cross off that. You can build the wall with that, which gives you another worker. So then you can use that worker to do this. And so everybody's turn takes like, I don't know, like five minutes, but you're all doing it at the same time. So it's fine. I mean, it literally takes what, at least five minutes to, for a turn, but everyone's doing it at the same time. So it's fine. So at the end of yeah. it, even if you're first, you're, you're just waiting a couple minutes for everyone else to finish up. But man, those turns, those go on because the more workers you have, the more things you can do, you know, the more combos you can hit. This is very, very, very combo-y. You don't start off with much, but as you're crossing things off, you're getting a lot. But then also, like, really, are you are you getting points? Like, you got to get points, too. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, that- <laughs> you get up that point track, and that'll give you another worker. <laughs> you just do so much, but you're, you also have to focus on, like, actually scoring some points at the end of the game. Yeah, there's, there's man, this is crunchy. I really like this game, too. I could have probably done a top 10 list now that now that I'm like, oh, yeah, I can. I dig that. I figured you could, but I also figured it'd be the same. All of them would be the same that are on mine. Yeah, your list is probably your list would be is people should listen to your list as opposed to my list. Uh, Hadrian's Wall for sure is super crunchy, super combo-y. You need a purple worker. It's there. You just gotta you just gotta figure it out. You gotta turn this worker into that worker, that's gonna turn into that worker, which is gonna turn into that worker, which is gonna give you two of these workers, which is gonna give you three of those workers, which is gonna allow you to get that purple worker. Mm-hmm. So it's there. You just gotta find it. And sometimes yeah. you stumble across things. You like you'll be playing it and you're like, oh, oh, I get all this stuff now too. Nice. Mm-hmm. Random, you'll get random resource. Like one of your neighbors will start passing you stone because they they're supposed to give it to you. It's yeah, uh, yeah. You have to give things to your neighbors, which is fun because you're like, oh, I just need one more stone, and then someone just hands you one. You're like, oh, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Nice. It, it you can't really plan out your turn because at least for me, like maybe maybe you can, like maybe you have the mental capacity to do that. I cannot. I have to just start and just go. And just see what happens, which is unfortunate because you can't take things back because it's a roll and write, so you've already crossed it off. So I just start going and see what happens with it. I try to plan as much as I can, but you have to spend what you what you earned to you know get that special ability. So you can't like just take things and plan out all your moves. So you just kind of go and and um, you know hope hope you know you've got a few things you want to do and then all of a sudden you've collected a whole bunch more things and so now you've got a whole nother round of things to figure out to do and it's it's a lot of fun um the learning curve really is the set of mini games you know my recommendation the first time you're playing is to like learn the base game learn like a simple like have them teach you you know a mini game or two that's the easiest start doing that and then when you start having to hit those other mini games learn those as you go because some of them are harder than others and it's very very hard to learn all of them at once agreed you you really kind of have to start playing and then as you're hitting these mini games okay explain to me how this works especially the the um what's gladiator. the one? yes the gladiator that one's complicated yeah, but they're but they're good. Like once you learn them, they're really good and the game is fairly simple, although it is still very crunchy because you've got a lot of decisions. Like you can do a lot with this worker. 
how are you going to get points out of it? You can move this to get this, to get this, to get this, but are you going to get any points out of that? You know, and that's really the, what the game, plus there's invaders that come and you got to fight those off, which is fun because you don't know where they're going to show up at. There's that whole point of part of the game. This one's got a lot more interaction than other games. You've got the interaction of the invaders, which are not your opponents, but the cards that are attacking you. And then you trade, you know, you can use other people's cards that they've played. You just have to pay them for it on some of these mini games. So there's there's definitely matters what your opponents are doing, or at least your adjacent opponents. All right, that's my number two, Hadrian's Wall. All right, my number one, no surprise here. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. put it as two games. <laughs> this is Three Sisters and or Fleet the Dice Game. Um, I do like Three Sisters better. However, if I didn't include Fleet the Dice Game, it would it would still be on my top ten. It might be it might be my number I don't know, maybe maybe three or something, somewhere along those. It'd be really close. I loved Fleet the Dice Game. It would have been my number one until Three Sisters came out. But they're essentially they play very, very similar. There's a few different mechanics with Fleet the Dice Game with the Rondell, but I think the heart and soul of the game where you are rolling these dice, you're drafting them, you're placing you're using the dice on one of two pieces of paper and 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 earning combos like like mad. Like you're you're getting this and then you're getting this. You're getting so many combos in Three Sisters. It comes with a note. A, pa- a, a blank section on one of the papers that you can take notes so that you remember to take all of your extra actions, which is really fun. And I love that. I love extra actions. You know, you know, there's a lot of combos in the game when it gives you like it gives you scrap on the piece of paper to write the write notes down for what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a it's like a lighter version of Hadrian's Wall. You've got the two papers. You've got a lot you can do. But it's got the but it's got dice instead. So it's not near as heavy. It's a lot easier to learn, even though it's pretty big and and there's a lot going on. I still think overall it's pretty easy to learn. It's just so fun. I love the way Three Sisters is the, the gardening theme. I think that is really I like that theme a lot better. Like you're you can do these fruit trees and plant these flowers that basically just give you extra actions or extra points. It's it's really, really fun. It's a nice little small game, but it's still very meaty. I think this one takes about 45 minutes or so. Um, you, you roll dice, you draft them. So, and then whatever dice is left, this is a really fun mechanic. There's, there's, you play four players, you have five dice. So whatever dice is left, everybody gets to do that. So as you're the last person, you're like, okay, I'm going to get both of these. Which one do I want everybody to have? Or which one don't I want everybody to have? And that's kind of how you're drafting. I think that's kind of fun, interesting, interesting draft mechanic. And you just feel like you get a lot. This game is very satisfying. Like you get to do this and you get to do this and you get to do this and you get to do this. And you get, and you kind of just, by the end of the game, you've done so much and it's just so satisfying and fun. Yeah, there's, uh, there, I've played both. And I think I like Three Sisters slightly more just because of that Rondell mechanic. Yeah. But you could uh, pick up either of them. They would both be really good. I would say whatever theme resonates best with you. Um, I don't necessarily think you need both of them because they play very similar, even though, you know, the way you get, you know, even though the theme is different. And it is, it is different enough because you're going out catching fish or, or you're planting things, growing them. Yeah. It, it But it still... I mean, once you learn one, the other one is really easy to learn. But I definitely recommend either one of those games. 
That is my number one, the best roll and write there is, Three Sisters or Fleet the Dice Game. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Stay tuned for next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Like us. Um, if, uh, send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>